Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. For those of you watching online, a big hello. I think so much. Got a special family uh, watching uh, from a hospital room. Just wanted to say hello today. They told me they were going to be here, so I wanted to make sure that they did. If you have a Bible, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And um, if you need one uh, to put in your lap, there's some on the side of the tech booth back there. Feel free to go grab one. If you're a user of the Bible app, uh, you can uh, track along with our, you can find our live event and then track along with all the information there. Uh, if you're new here, and I know there's a couple of new families here, I just want to say you came in a great time. Uh, we are talking kind of about some of the things that make us us as a church family. Uh, the DNA that we're talking about is, is true about every local um, congregation, every local group that calls themselves a church in the name of Jesus. This is true. It just works itself out um, in specific ways and in, even in some specific phrases here within our church family. And so today, or excuse me, last week, we started with talking about a gospel transformation. That because we believe in the good news of Jesus, that he has come, he has died, he is raised from the dead, uh, he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and one day we'll come back and set everything straight. That is tremendous news because what that means is he's in charge. We don't have to be. Amen to that. Um, and that is a transformative thing for us. When we put our trust in Jesus, that, that that story transforms us. Today, we're talking about being saturated with the scripture. And in your mind, I just want you to have in your mind this, this picture of that sponge that you like stick way deep down in the bucket of whatever you're going to do this Sunday. It just soaks it all up. There's not a, a molecule of that sponge that isn't in contact with some water. It's such that when you pull it out of the, uh, the, the, when you bring it up out of, I mean, it's just dripping everywhere. And if you squeeze it even a little bit, it just kind of overflows. Because there are going to be points this week and in the weeks to come where you get pulled out of an environment where you would rather be. And there are going to be points this week and in weeks to come where you will be squeezed in ways that you may or may not enjoy. Nobody's amen in any of those, but the reality is it is true. And what we want is for the Bible to come out of us. The scriptures to come pouring out of us, dripping off of us, no matter what, saturated with the scripture. A couple of things here. I just want to say them out loud because um, uh, just by way of introduction, um, some people interact with the scripture as if as if it's advice. Hey, here's Jesus' best advice on this. And there are points in, in, when you uh, hear people's advice, there are points where you take their advice or points where you reject their, their advice. The Bible is not advice. The scriptures, as God has preserved them for us, it is news. It's not advice. It's not something to be taken or left. It is something to uh, interact with as something that's real and true. And then secondly, the, the other way that I see a lot of people interact with it is if it's optional. There are a lot of good things in the world. The scripture is one of them. I'll, I will take it in. I will let it uh, speak to me. I will, when it makes sense to do so, uh, when it's convenient to do so, whatever. The scripture is optional. And today, I, I just want to... Um, uh, try to set out with not only, uh, well, hopefully, even maybe even light a fire for being saturated with the scripture, and then just in, in, a, in a way that, that sees us through thinking about the school year in particular, because some of uh, you started uh, starting this week, some of you um, got another week yet, but it will see you through the school year that we will be not only saturated with the scripture, but being committed to being saturated with the scripture. So here we are, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. 
It says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God. Some of you may have the word inspired or something else, but it is breathed out. That's the best literal translation of that word. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, uh, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And here's what I want to do. I want to take that phrase and turn it on its head. I want to talk about Scripture first, and then we'll talk about saturation. Here we go. Scripture. I'll give you three characteristics that fall right out of the text, starting in verse 16. Um, all scripture, it says, is breathed out by God, meaning it is divine. There, there, this, this, uh, the words that are preserved for us here, the way that God has communicated to us has come in this. This scripture is breathed out from God. It comes from Him. It comes from His mouth. That's important because it, it, that is where the authority lies. It is the reason why it's authoritative for us is because it comes from God. And when it says that, it doesn't say most of the scripture. I say that because uh, it, the, the first phrase, all scripture, all scripture. Because there are parts of the Bible that make a lot of sense to me. Anybody? And there are some parts of the Bible where I'm like, well, I got nothing. Anybody? There's some crazy, there's some crazy stuff in the Bible. Some really cool stories. Peter gets, we talked about this, uh, what, a couple weeks ago. Peter gets out of the boat, walks on water. That's an amazing story. Um, Jesus feeds thousands upon thousands. Incredible. Uh, you know, Paul survives a shipwreck, reads like an adventure novel. Unbelievable. That's awesome. Some of those Old Testament stories are pretty great. You know, um, uh, uh, sacrifice on, on uh, Mount Carmel there and uh, the fire comes down from heaven. Incredible. There's some other stuff in the Old Testament, though, that's a little crazier even than that. Yeah? Yeah? Elijah calling down bears on young people because they make fun of his bald head. Amen. Amen. Okay. And there's crazier stuff. When we talk about it, this is why, though, I mean, I love the Bible. And I want us to be people who love it. When we talk about it, we, we just need to embrace that all Scripture is breathed out by God. And all of it, all of it, because it's breathed out by God, it points us to Jesus. We talked, uh, we did this verse maybe, I don't know, a month or so ago at this point. But in John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus is talking to some people and he says, You search the Scriptures because in them you think that you will find eternal life. But it is they that testify to me. The Scriptures from the Old Testament, point forward to Jesus to say, there is coming one uh, who is going to set the world right through his death and through his resurrection. And the New Testament scriptures point back to say, listen, you got to know that everything in your life hinges upon the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done. Over and over and over again, we get these pointing forward, pointing back, but it all points to him. All of it. Every bit of it. Well, what about those crazy passages in the Old Testament? Listen, uh, well, I just note here, Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, even as he was writing the, the book, said, Hey, Paul, he writes some stuff that is amazing. And he's got some other stuff that's pretty confusing. I mean, even Peter noted this. He, what do you do with those crazy passages in the Old Testament? I mean, there's a lot of violence. And stuff. Even that, though, can create this kind of longing inside the people of God that say, Listen, there's going to come a day when... All the wrongs will be righted and the kingdom of God will be here in its fullness. At the very least, 
I mean, the other stuff can be confusing. The other stuff can be difficult to understand. There, there will be parts of it that, that maybe it just doesn't translate from 3,000 plus years ago into our context in a way that we can grasp. But what we can say is this, that that creates in us a kind of longing to say, man, I long for the day when this kind of stuff doesn't have to be. The scripture is breathed out by God. To be clear, um, my interpretation of scripture is not what is infallible. Again, I, I'm giving you all the amen lines, people, and y'all aren't no bites at all. Thank you. Thank you. Nor is yours. It's the scripture itself that lives here. It will not answer the most, excuse me, it will not answer the questions. It is not asking, but it does answer the questions that God thinks are worth asking. In fact, it gives us the best possible answers to the most important questions of life. People take the scriptures, um, they do all sorts of crazy stuff with them. There's one particular person, uh, 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 there's an account on one of the social media sites that shows up. I don't remember the name of it. I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would say it even if I do remember. Um, but there's a, it's, it's about really bad sermons. And they take like 90 or two minute clip, uh, 90 second or two minute clips from these really terrible sermons. And there's one particular guy who's like full on flat earther guy. And he's just off the chain crazy. And every time he comes up, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, we're, NASA is a conspiracy. So all you people who have participated in the great hoax that has deceived the world, all of you, shame on you. I mean, it's this guy, right? Um, but, but you know, like, that kind of stuff, that's funny enough, right? And you kind of look at it and go, <laughs> silly. But here's what I want to do. I'm going to take a risk here, and I'm going to try to fire a shot uh, once to each side. With a quote, a direct quote um, from each, from someone. Uh, this, um, from, his uh, name is Reverend Roger Wolseley. Here's what he says, and this is kind of on the, this is the, the shot towards the left, if you will. Um, we did not, we don't think, this is out there on the internet, I mean straight up. We don't think that God wrote the Bible. We think that it was written by fallible human beings who were inspired by and not dictated to the Holy Spirit. Hence, we don't uh, consider it infallible or inerrant. Church family, that is not how the Bible talks about itself. It's not how the earliest people who followed Jesus talk about the Bible. It's just not. It, you, you step into that world, then you start dismissing portions of the Scripture that really aren't agreeable to wherever you are in the moment. So that's kind of on one side. Here's this. I said, I, I told them, listen, if someone is teaching something dangerous, I, I've committed to you because I love you this much, to say so and to call them by name. And here's one of them. This is going the other way. This from a, a guy named Michael Flynn, used to be the national security guy. He's currently on a tour on a, uh, let's make... America, a Christian nation again tour or something like that. Here's what he said in one of the rallies to pastors, and I'm quoting, read our constitution, which by the way, can we just pause and say, that's a reasonable thing? I, I'm for it. Okay. That's not the end of the quote. Read our constitution to pastors. Put the Bible aside and read the constitution in some of your sermons. I love our country so much that we're not substituting anything for the scripture. 
And that, that's, that's how you and I have to think about our lives. Because there are people out there who would want us to dismiss the scripture in the one way. Hey, we don't think the Bible, the, the, the Bible was written by God. And there are people out there who think we need to dismiss it in a completely different way. Let's give you a substitute for the Bible. Wrong on both counts. We are the people of God. And the people of God, the people who know Jesus and are committed to him, are committed to this But we're committed to the scriptures because we think that God has breathed it out. This is what we believe. This is what we believe. It's not just divinity, though. There is also, it says, it is breathed out by God, but it is also profitable. There is a utility to it. A utility, a usefulness. Because it is from God, it's true and authoritative. And because it's true and authoritative, it's useful. It's profitable. What for? For teaching, it says, first of all. He lists four things here. Profitable for teaching. It has been that way from the get-go. Um, it, it, like Peter, P- Peter preaches the first sermon at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people come into faith in Christ and um, uh, they commit themselves. Like the very next section says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There is a clear body of content that they are um, uh, ingesting and making a part of themselves. They are saturating themselves with. Why? Because it reveals reality and it reveals the kind of life that we should live. Um, it is why we as a church family, our normal diet on Wednesday nights with students, upstairs, in Sunday school with kids, in your various Sunday school classes and small groups, and certainly in here. Our normal diet is we start a book and we finish a book. We just preach through because we want to be a people who are saturated with the scripture. Can I tell a really embarrassing story of myself? That'd be okay? Oh, absolutely. I love that. Thank you for the enthusiasm. Terrifying. I was 18. I had been licensed um, to ministry, and I was going out to this little country church outside of my hometown to preach. I had been invited. Uh, the lady who ran the uh, uh, like attendance office at my high school was a member there. She's like, hey, I hear you're a preacher. You shouldn't preach for us. So they committed me to two weeks. I committed to two weeks. I drove outside. It's about 25 minutes outside of town. And when you think, okay, just think country church, small little shotgun uh, uh, worship center, like a, a room or two for Sunday school, on a farm to market road that it's trees, cornfields, trees, fields, trees, fields, church, trees, fields, trees, so this is that, okay? So we went out there, uh, or I went out there, went out there to preach, and I, I, I was teed up, man. I was geared up, like first big sermon, first church, this is really exciting, and uh, I was doing, you're the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. It was going to be great. I put down in my notes here five best things, five most important things about light. And so we talked, you know, kind of had all of that geared up, ready to go. Very exciting. I went, stood up, and I preached. And it took seven minutes. (laughs) And so I had to fill 20, so I preached it again and again. So 21 minutes was my first sermon. I did it about three times. True story. And I remember driving in my little Dodge Shadow on the way back. And I can take you almost to the place where I just said, God, in this moment right here, two things are true. Number one, that was horrifying to you and to me. And it did not help the people. And number two, well, just on that note, in like parentheses with that, like I'm not sure I'm going to make it back to town because this may be the moment where you just take me out. Like Old Testament style. (laughs) Fire from heaven came. What happened to his car? I don't know. There's uh, one little, uh, you know, washer and a piece of a tire. And that's all that's left, you know. I don't know what happened. And a big black mark. Um, And I said, if I ever preach again, and I'm not sure I ever should, (laughs) 
I'm not going to give them the best five things that I think about anything. I just want to commit to say what you've already said. It's why we do things the way that we do around here. It's why we're committed to the scriptures. It's why we want to be a people who just hold this value up to say, let's be a people saturated with the scriptures. We don't need a person's thought on any of this. We need God, what he has already said. Utility. The, so the second one, teaching, reproof or rebuke. Um, that's not a word probably uh, that you use this week or uh, maybe even something you experience this week. Hey, you want to sit down, have a little lunch? I've got a rebuke for you. I mean, like this is that kind of thing. In our therapeutic culture, um, we are not really kind of into that. Uh, but the reality is this is a love that cares enough to confront because it knows. It knows. Um, what is not best for the beloved. It doesn't necessarily say, I know what is best, but it knows what is not best. It says, it looks at the one who you love and you say, I love you so much, I will not let this happen to you. I will not let you do something that I know will ultimately and finally harm you. Reproof. That does not come from any person's authority. Nobody gets to sit you down and say, well, I think, this is not a matter of preference. This is rooted in, based on, the scriptures. And it is not, um, it doesn't stay by itself. Rebuke or reproof is not a solo act here. In social media world, it's a solo act. Social media has made it in its own image. We are just, we are, um, we are fussy. We are disconnected. We like that hit and run thing. And, you know, say my opinion and get off and don't come back to it, whatever. This is not that. Because if, if reproof isn't followed with correction, um, as, as it is here in this text, then you're not actually being helpful. You probably need to keep your mouth shut. But the scripture is useful for pointing out things that are not in line with what the scripture says. And it is immediately followed by correction. Correction. I'll just give you two pictures here, okay? So you're um, raising a kid. Um, I just taught one of mine to drive. And you can imagine getting in the car uh, with a kid as they're learning to drive. And you say, don't do that. Don't do that. And that is part of what you say. And say, I mean, for those of you who survived parent uh, taught driver's ed, anybody with me on this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have less hair and grayer hair than you did before. But um, that is part of what you say. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But if that's all that you say, and you don't actually help them learn what to do, then you're not actually being helpful. Teaching, reproof, correction, you have to do both. It would be like going up to Hobby there, you roll up to the Southwest desk, and you're like, hey, I need to, this is old school, I need to purchase a ticket. And they're like, okay, where do you want to go? And you're like, not San Francisco. Okay, well that narrows it down. You have to have something more than that on the table, which is why it says correction. Teaching, reproof, correction, training, training in righteousness. Um, this is not just doctrine, we're, just not, we're not just downloading information, we're also embracing a way of life. There are things that the scripture teaches us 
through habits and acts that are commended in the scripture. Things that are said, hey, this is a good thing. Act like this. Be like this. Do this kind of thing. Watch this hero of this story do what he or she does in this moment. And you can do those kind of things. Those kinds of things are built into the scripture. So, yes, so that we will know that they exist. But also so that we will learn how to do them in an appropriate way in our own context. Jesus got up early in the morning to pray. Well, it seems like it would be important to get up and pray. In any number of other things. And then lastly, there is, there is uh, a divine nature to it because it comes from God. It is divinity. It is, there is a utility to it. And then lastly, there is a necessity to it that the man or woman of God may be a complete and equipped for every good work. Complete, meaning they are fully qualified for the task. What the implication is, without the scripture, we will not be fully qualified for the task. That they would be equipped for every good work. The implication is, without the scripture saturating our lives, us taking it in and making it a part of who we are, dousing ourselves in it, we will not be equipped for every good work. When we do have them, though, we are transformed to be like the one who wrote them. Okay, so... That's scripture. Let's talk for just a minute about how the saturation thing works. Look back at verse 14. But as for you, Paul is writing to Timothy. As for you, continue in what you have learned. Let me just pause there. Continue in what you have learned. This is not a new thing. It's not a new teaching. Nobody's leading you a different direction. These are old paths, good, worn paths that we stay connected to. Continue what you have learned. What kind of things had he learned? Well, back up to verse 10. If you have a copy of the scripture in your lap, this is easier. I don't think this is actually made the Bible up. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions, persecutions I endure. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. So, like, what, what's he talking about? Continue. Continue in these kinds of things. You've seen them. Now continue in them. Continue in them. And then he says this. Having firmly believed what you've learned and what you've firmly believed. He owned his faith. He was not eating scraps from Paul's table. He owned it. There are developmental stages in life where all of a sudden you embrace a particular aspect of your life or identity. And there are developmental stages in faith where you embrace this. This is critical, okay? And I know for um, our students, like this is one of the things that Jared consistently prays um, for you teenagers. That you would own your faith. You would know what you've learned and continue what you've learned. And you would have it firmly. And you would believe in it firmly. Own that faith. Secondly... Uh, or I guess first I had to need this. Um, he, he says, continue what you've learned from the belief, knowing from whom you learned it. And the whom there is plural. So I just want to note here, we're talking about inputs, plural, inputs. There are multiple, multiple inputs for Timothy's life as he engaged the scriptures and became, became a man who was saturated with the scriptures. It wasn't just Paul. Paul was a big voice in his life. I wrote down some others, though. Paul had a traveling companion when he met Timothy. His name was Silas uh, in, in Acts chapter 16. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, we learn that Lois and Eunice, his mother and grandmother, uh, uh, gave spiritual and scriptural input into Timothy's story. Hey, listen, 
you're never, you, I mean, the investment that you make in your kids, the investment you make in your kids, you just don't know. You just don't know how important that is. Um, in First Timothy chapter 4, he, uh, Paul mentions a council of elders, um, people who had gathered around him um, to speak into his life. In Philippians chapter 2, he mentions a guy named Epaphroditus who had walked beside Timothy as they were figuring this kind of stuff out. We need more than just screens to saturate us. We have to be in the Bible and we need multiple inputs here. People speaking into our lives as a part of this. In our particular church, how does this work its way out? This is our DNA. How does, how does this express itself? Um, you'll notice every so often that a different person comes up here to preach, even though I'm here. Uh, the first year that I was here, I preached 51 Sundays. And that became pretty clear that was not good for you or me. And so we, Tyler comes up, Jared comes up, E.J. Kemper has been here, other people have been here who preach. Um, but, and why is that? Because those kind of different voices matter. Some of you get tired of hearing from me. Thank you. I was mad. I was like, come on. It's just right out there. The bowl's on the tee. Hit it, people. Hit it. It's good to hear from different. It's good to have that kind of voice speak from the scriptures into our church. It's intentional that we do it that way. Um, and uh, it... Uh, next Sunday, we'll promote um, kids to different grade levels. So they will have a new Sunday school teacher. And that Sunday school teacher will have a year to shape their lives. Isn't that amazing? Like that, they, they went from one who was shaping the life to another who will be shaping the lives. And that will do that. One of the most influential people in my life was a lady at my um, hometown church, First Baptist, who taught second grade Sunday school for 50 years. If you could get into heaven on your works, that lady would be in for sure. Because like 50 years of second grade Sunday school is its own thing. She taught Sunday school for 50 years. One of the most influential people um, in my, like her input. So, and then uh, lastly, I would just say we need one another. I'll pick this up here in just a minute. And the, we need environments where we learn from one another. There's a reason why we don't just ask you to sit in a row, look at a guy with a microphone at the back of, you know, trying to dodge somebody's head. We want you in a group. We want you connected to a group. Um, we want you in a Sunday school class, in a small group. Why? Because in doing so, what that allows you to do is interact with people. Uh, uh, to have the Bible open, to look at people's faces, to ask the questions, uh, to be taught and to, to follow up and, and seek to understand and maybe be a part of teaching somebody else or ask a question in a way that brings light. Uh, it is important for us to be in those environments. This is how it expresses itself. Timing, okay, timing is the next one. Um, he says, uh, from whom you learned it, verse 15, and how from childhood, from childhood, you've been acquainted. So two things about timing. Number one, the earlier you begin the more opportunity you have to pour into their lives. We have preschool teachers down the hall right now talking about, a, to our little ones, about a God who made them and loves them and wants to be their friend forever. And they walk out at four years old with that mantra, there is a God who made me and a God who loves me and who wants to be my friend forever. 
The earlier you start, the more opportunity you have to pour in. Does that mean if you came to faith later in life that you're somehow behind? No, 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 no. It just means um, you're starting. And so let's just continue to pour in. Continue to saturate yourself with the Scripture. It doesn't matter um, how late you, you particularly started. And now you have an opportunity to make a difference in the generation uh, below you there, the generation that follows you. This is not a formula. Let me just say this. It is not a formula. It is not a guarantee of some version of success for whatever you define your success for your kids to be. Stop that. Kids can grow up and do dumb things all on their own. I, I, I mean, like that's the point where you're like, yes, yes, amen. They, they really can. So this isn't about formula. This is about input and timing of that. But lastly, on, on this timing though, it, it's not just starting early, but it, it's having this rhythm. Look at what it says. You've been acquainted with the sacred writings. It is a unique phrase in the New Testament, that particular phrase. What it refers to is the regular um, uh, input of the scriptures into people's lives as they gathered at the synagogue. That, that phrase revolves around the, the synagogue gathering and the scriptures as they were read and taught um, when the Jewish people would gather. What is our uh, expression of that? It's church. It's, it's the gathering of the church where we sit around the Bible, where we hear the Bible, where we read the Bible, where we teach the Bible, where we are taught the Bible. That is the expression of that. There is a built-in rhythm. Be a part of that rhythm. You want to be saturated with the scripture. Have have that as part of your life. Uh, and then lastly, um, look, at, look at the outcome. It is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Wise for salvation. It is packed with wisdom, and that wisdom consistently points to him. To say, you don't relate to God on the basis of things that you do. You relate to God on the basis of faith in Christ. It is wise to make you uh, to, to bring salvation to you, wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So I just want to bring this down for you and for me. But how? Like how? How does this go in your life and mine? Like if, I, if I'm stirred on the inside right now and want to be um, saturated with the scripture and I'm going to be a person who commits my life to be the kind of person who is saturated with the scripture, what needs to be true? I'll just give you these three things to think about. Number one, do you have a personal plan? Do you have a personal plan for um, taking in the Bible? Like reading it, studying it, memorizing it, letting it become a part of you. We have more access now than ever. Um, some of you have commutes that are pretty substantial. You can lock your phone in, press play, and get the Bible read to you all the way there. Which may help with your commute is all I'm saying, depending upon your traffic situation. But do you have a personal plan? If you're not, if you don't, and you're a user of the Bible app, there are kajillion plans on the Bible app for you to use. We in our church family, we have used um, a, a New Testament reading plan that covers it in 75 or 90 days. We can offer that to you. We have other uh, things that we've done as a part of this. But there are there are plans galore. I personally, for a couple of decades now, have used. Um, a plan by a guy named Robert Murray McShane. It gives you, uh, um, you read four chapters in the Bible. It'll take you through the Old Testament once, a New Testament twice, and the Psalms twice. And it's been great for me. Just personally, used it for a long, long time now. And uh, it's just, he was a Scottish pastor in the 1800s. And it's just been so helpful to me. That's not for everybody. Great. Do you have a personal plan, though? 
put, if you're going to be um, the kind of person who's saturated with the scripture and committed to being saturated with the scripture, you've got to have a plan, and you've got to have a plan for you, you personally. Secondly, do you have what I would just simply call a learning lab? Like, do you have a place where you can ask questions, where you can interact with others, where you can look at people in the eyes and say, I don't really understand this? Certainly, you can email, you know, anybody on staff and we don't know. We'll say, heck, we don't know. But we've got some resources and we'll try to help work this through. But, but that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about the learning lab of sitting in somebody's uh, living room, sitting upstairs in one of the classrooms and being in a circle where we're interacting around, with other believers and followers of Jesus around the Bible because there is wisdom there. And the way that we interact around these things will help us grow and become people. Um, who are like him. So you need a place where you're, you're doing this. And lastly, um, I, I just, I didn't know what else to call this, but a try this mindset. When you read the Bible and you see something in there, you should go try it. Like, go, go do it. In John chapter 7, Jesus said, if you really want to know if my teaching is from God or not, go try to do it. Go try it. So you read Ephesians chapter 4, for instance, where it says, now be angry and don't sin. You're like, okay. I got that commute today. All right, let's work on that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to give it my best shot. Later in Ephesians 4, let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth. Where's my duct tape? I'll just put it out of that way. Nothing goes out of at all. But you try it. And what you find is, yes, there is a ton of wisdom there. Yes, it is more difficult than you know. Yes, you have to rely on the Holy Spirit to give you power to live out the things you do. But yes, yes, He does do so. Well, none of that applies to me. I'm kind of in a hard spot right now. Paul says, Romans chapter 5, take joy. Take joy in the midst of that. In the midst of that trial, why? Rejoice in your trials because these trials bring about perseverance. A perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope, and hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Go try that. But just to try this mindset. Why? I just one more time. Why? People who are saturated with the scripture, no matter how we, uh, the environment from which we are removed, no matter how we get squeezed, the Bible flows out and it becomes a blessing to others. That is true. But also, for us, it makes us wise for salvation. It brings us to a place where we enjoy God, where we engage with God, where we um, get to be a part of what He is doing. We see Him at work, and we get to be a part of what He is doing. That's why it matters. He gives us this written Word so that we can know and live with the living Word, who is Jesus. Let me pray for us, and we'll take a moment to respond, okay? Um, Father, for uh, just this next moment or two here, is hopefully this just kind of soaks in. Pray, pray, Father, that you um, will continue to speak to your people. And as you do so, you would incline our hearts towards the things that you have said in your word to know them and to do them, to practice them. In so many ways, God, we don't need less Bible. We need so much more. 
just learning, living it. So help us with that. And as we do so, Father, give us, like uh, Paul told Timothy, give us that kind of confidence. Give us that sense that we know we can continue on in what we, what we uh, believe, uh, what we've learned and what we firmly believe. Do that now for Jesus' sake. And I ask in his name. And everybody said, 